Welcome to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. Join myself, Sorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. First, I just want to thank everyone who is tuning in and listening to this podcast. I'm seeing that the numbers are starting to slowly grow more and more as the week goes by, which is really exciting to me. Um, I had a bit of a hiatus over the last two months. Um, I did my best to release a few episodes here and there, but um, my life has changed quite drastically um, with ending relationship to moving out to moving back into the house and now uh more more so being settled in in the home that i'm in which feels good um so moving forward you know i want to do my best to continue providing podcast episodes and new content on yogic material so some new things that I want to start focusing on are the topics of the koshas or the energetic layers of the body, um, the pranavayus, and other forms of yoga as well, like Ashtanga yoga and Hatha yoga and Kundalini and, and stuff like that. I'm starting to get um, just individualized feedback of people who are tuning in that are telling me that they really like the chakra series and they've actually been going back and listening to them two or three times just because of how much information that I pack in. And I do that in pur- on purpose so that, yeah, you can go back and you can say, you know what, there's this one section that I didn't um, really fully get and so I just want to have a better understanding. So that's really great. So when I hear that from people... Um, That excites me and that gets me wanting to uh, make more episodes. So what I'm kind of finding in the next kind of two months, I may not have as many guests as I did kind of throughout the summer. Um, And that will enable me to focus on doing solo episodes where I can dive right into specific literature, specific topics within the world of yoga. Um, But I'm still going to do my best to have some guests. I have some already lined up, some good friends of mine from the yoga community. Um, And that's kind of what um, you can expect over the next two months. And then, you know, when 2022 comes, which is, you know, kind of crazy to think about that that's already going to happen in the next two months, um, that you can expect um, some more content as the show evolves because, Um, I've had the pleasure of connecting into a community of podcasters over the last year. You know, I've got to get a shout out to Sam Tripoli and Mark Steves. I think specifically Mark Steves because he's the booking agent for Sam and he's the one that got me on to Sam's show a year ago, kind of uh, to this date. And so he's really the driving force and the catalyst to not only getting me on to Sam's uh, podcast called uh, Zero, I'd also landed me on his podcast, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. And that's what led to inevitably me starting my own podcast because he was right there to be like, you know, you need to start your own. You're really good at presenting material. And I just think that, you know, you'll really uh, stick to this and you'll have a good time, which I think he was right. And, you know, I've been having a really great time just getting into that role of being an interviewer and um, kind of a reporter too, in a way of reporting on the world of yoga specifically. Um, So with that, my guest today is a fellow named Jim Gale. And our talk was fantastic. 
he is just a wealth of energy and enthusiasm and knowledge, particularly on permaculture. And if you're not sure what permaculture is, essentially it's a method of gardening slash farming that um, integrates with nature. And so that there isn't this uh, barrier between what you're trying to grow and what you're trying to harvest and the rest of the natural world. So if you were to take like typical agriculture where you have these fields and fields of uh, monocrops and they're just dusted and sprayed with herbicides and pesticides to keep out animals and bugs. In the world of permaculture, we want the inclusion of bugs and animals because there are some plants that do really well with certain bugs and certain animals that actually kind of pull the pests away from the things that you're trying to harvest. And so, um, you know, in the world of permaculture, there's this educational stance of wanting to teach people what plants are good to have in your garden um, and then what plants are good to have on the kind of boundaries of your garden where the like food forest is or where you just let everything grow wild. Um, so enjoy this episode. I really do feel you will. Um, we go into his a uh, little bit of the history of um, how he got into permaculture and where he is now. And I've got to say, this is like the biggest kind of high profile person I've ever interviewed. Like he straight up turned a real estate company into a $1.3 or $1.6 billion um, machine, right? Until, you know, his whole life changed and he found that what his true calling was um, actually investing into community through uh, permaculture and specifically building food forests. So with that said, here's the episode. Enjoy. Thank you again. And I'll see you again soon. Excellent. So welcome, Jim. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, actually, uh, just give me a second. Can you talk for a second? Yes. How's this? Is that working? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, that little thing that said this meeting is being recorded didn't pop up, but... Oh, that's okay. I use uh, OBS, so I oh, use okay. a different system. Yeah, um, it just gets me to kind of bypass Zoom's um, like limit. I find yeah. that, uh, you know, if when we start recording, it only gives me like 45 minutes or something. So this gotcha. is a good way for me to do that. So, um, yeah, so we can start here. So, Beautiful. yeah, welcome, Jim. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you are new in my awareness. You know, I, I got an email from Lindsay last week, and she was just really thrilled to... Uh, offer me this opportunity to talk with you and just looking at the points that she shared with me man um the parallels just even in my life are just amazing um you know minus the you know um the successful real estate uh adventure that you went on but um yeah just everything that has to do with um plant medicine and um uh um, permaculture and wanting to find a way to bring transformation to this planet that's um, feasible and realistic, right? That's like really actually truly grassroots and really truly down to um, down to earth and not so out of this world, so to speak. So logic. Yeah. So maybe, um, yeah, let's uh, just get into um, maybe just how you got into permaculture, if you want to kind of get into your background with real estate sure. or, and just what it took for you to have the epiphany that you did to shift into what you're doing now. Love it. Love it. I'll run through a few kind of points that seem to be relevant to my story. You know, as a nature boy growing up, they called me nature boy. They teased me. I went to bed. It was a crazy childhood, right? Got in trouble for that. And the whole thing went through the whole school. And I went through those periods of kind of shitty times. And then 
I got into wrestling, um, did fairly well. And then I wrote my goals. Um, I, I actually had a really bad stretch, wrote my goals. And I created for the first time in my life, a compelling vision of my own future. And that vision inspired me. And then from creating that vision, I ended up achieving that, which was really cool. I was a national champ and all American in college. And then traveled the world that I wanted to see places. So I lived in Africa with the Maasai and all went to about 47 different countries and just experienced culture because I love people and I love adventure and seeing new things. Um, then I got home, I wrote my goals for my, the second time when I was 29. And I wrote that I wanted to have $3 million in three years. And I had just read all the books um, Ziegler and Napoleon Hill and Tony Robbins and Dennis Waitley and all these and my mind was exploding with possibilities. So I wrote that down that I wanted to, you know, be retired. And I got home and a bunch of serious, you know, the universe opened up and conspired with me. And three and a half years later, did about a billion three in mortgages, right? And then I thought I was cool for a while, right? And that's when all of a sudden the money started going and I started having this contraction of spirit. And I started wanting to hold on to it. And that's the absolute law of attraction is the most powerful son of a gun. I love the law of attraction, right? It can be your wickedest slave master or your best friend. So I started holding on and then I went through this period of loss. And at the same time, this is 2008, nine, I learned that the world was a different place than I had believed. I learned that there is a govern, which means to manage and control, and mente, which means mind, and that they're not there to make your life better, but they're actually there to suck the energy from you. Mm -hmm. And so going through that process, as I was learning permaculture and I had my first two daughters, and this is where it gets kind of really kind of, well, or start unpacking it. I started looking at the world from a completely different lens and saying, what's the world gonna be like in 20 years, the world of my grandkids. And that's when I went through just hell because I was focused for about two years, very, very focused on the problem. I was watching every movie you could imagine about architects and engineers for 9-11 truth and all this. And that just sucked, but I couldn't be where I am without having gone through that. And then when I heard Bill Mollison's quote, I read it. Though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I started bawling. I was living in an off-grid little thing. And I just, I never forget the scene because something was happening to me then where I started saying, wait a minute, I'm an optimist. What's the fucking solution? And from there, it's, um, it's been an amazing ride. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's interesting um just knowing um within yourself what it takes in just the capacity that you have to be successful, right? So um you know, like what I was saying earlier that we have these like parallels that um you know, it it seems that the universe or your higher self is going to work with you based on knowing the capacity that you have as well too. So it's like, because of all the training that you did probably in high school and then in college for wrestling and then, um, you know, going to championships and, and winning and thinking to yourself, you know what, I know I, I can do more. I know I can manifest more. I know I can grow more and and just seeing how the universe propels you in that direction and i think that can be a missing piece in in a lot of other people who want to consider um you know what it takes to manifest their goals in their life and and how important it is to actually take the time like you did to sit down and write everything out right so it's not just keeping it in your mind and thinking to yourself you know it'd be nice to have these things but it's to um, write them out and actualize them based on, you know, what you did in the past. Right. So yeah. the action that's needed to actually then go forward. Right. Because, that, um, right, yeah. yeah, because inspired action, inspired action. Exactly. Because to, you know, uh, you know, a regular person to think about making three, th $3 million in three years. Right. Um, there, there's 
can be barriers up in their mind of, of why it's impossible to do that, especially if they don't have something in their life prior to that that allowed them to win, right? So yeah. if you are already like a, kind of like a winner in your life, when you think of something like that, um, you know, it's it's something that's seemingly more feasible to yeah. attract or to to accomplish. You just brought up something that I've never talked about and I want to unpack this a little bit. So when I was a kid, I was about, I think I was in eighth grade and my buddy Chris Doctor came over. Um, he's now Dr. Doctor. And <laughs> he said, Jim, I've got something to tell you. I can't tell you. I, I was told I can't tell you. And I'm like, what is it? And I was like, what, what's going on, right? And it, we actually played this game for almost a year. And then I got him drunk one night and he fucking told me what it was, right? And he said, Jim, it's a good thing. It's not bad. Because I was like, what's going on, right? I knew he was sincere. I just didn't know what the hell he's talking about. He said, you are going to inherit a lot of money. And my, 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 my dad is a pipe fitter. My mom grew up on a farm. And she said, oh, the farm, what he told me came from a story that my family shared when they were all drunk at a party, right? And it came to me as I'm going to inherit this millions of dollars. It completely was not true. I've not inherited a dime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, a little bit, but like in the, in the, in the, you know, six figure, low six figure range at the most. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. But my point is he did something to me without trying to, when I heard that, I thought of myself as fortunate and lucky and wealthy. And that I know had a difference in my life, I, and which is such a weird thing. So what, I'm, what I want to lead to is that it was the thought, not the truth, that led to me gaining wealth. Yeah, and, and how these ideas um, are catalysts, right? So yes. um, regardless if... Um, you know, the accuracy of that kind of foretelling is, is true or not. It's, it's that a seed was planted and the actualization of inheriting something was more so from your own effort than, you know, kind of giving, uh, being given, um, this large amount of money, um, from, you know, a relative dying or, um, you know, getting land passed down to you or something. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so it's, it, that whole realm is something I've been navigating, you know, for the last like 10 years of my life as well of understanding just universal flow and abundance and, um, you know, likewise, um, or similarly, you know, I come from parents that, um, you know, didn't come from wealth or didn't inherit wealth either. You know, like both my parents are immigrants. They came from Serbia and, you know, myself and my siblings are first generation Canadians trying to really pave the way for our family. And what I'm noticing for myself is that, um, there's, there are these periods of initiation in just even in my own life that is preparing me for something you know, and like, yeah. um, I found that when I try to make something happen really quickly, that's where things go wrong. That on just for who I am and what like the higher self and my own oversoul and consciousness um, kind of tells me is like, actually go slow and think long term, you yes. know, and, and take things one step at a time. And you'll find that things will come quickly but in the grand scheme of things. So maybe it'll take a few years, you know, maybe it'll, yeah. it'll take 10 years to really flush this out, but yep. be prepared because when that time comes, you will really get a sense of um, how all that abundance is coming in rather than thinking greedily that, you know, these things have to happen right now. Um, and that's, and that's, that's kind of yep. what I want to get into with um, the whole permaculture thing and how that, you know, topic actually relates between the two of us because um, about six or seven years ago, I was living in a um, like beautiful, like historical home here in Edmonton where I'm from uh, with like six friends and we're uh, all into permaculture. And there was this huge wave of uh, permaculture that hit Edmonton several years ago. And that like need for longevity 
that's what was the missing piece in our community. Everyone wanted like things to happen now, you know, like they wanted the food forest now. They wanted the huge structure of, you know, transforming land and transforming neighborhoods now, right? And there wasn't that longevity. And so when I looked at your website and I kind of looked in um, uh, the back, like your kind of backstory, I was like, wow, okay, this guy not only has this like kind of structure now, but he's obviously looking long-term and that's really, really what's needed um, to transform things. And and looking long-term. And I, the more I say this and really settle into what's happening, the viral nature of what we're doing, the more I think that in five years, maybe seven, our business is going to be defunct. It's going to be done because there's going to be food for us everywhere. Because this is the idea whose time has come. Once people understand and see this happening, you know, and did I say that quote, by the way, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies in the world. That Uh, is an idea. Just give me a second. My, my dog is barking. He likes to chime in at the best spots. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I love dogs. Yeah. Hey, Rupert. All right. I think he's good. Um, Cool. Oh yeah. So yeah. So the quote, um, that you were going to say. Yeah. So there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world. And that is an idea whose time has come, right? Let's unpack that. Wait, all of the armies of the world are led by the governmentes. And that's exactly what we have to be aware of. That's the problem is violence and force. Mm. The idea whose time has come suggests that the idea is already in existence. And now it's time for this idea again. Right. So here's the fun part. When I share what the idea is with everybody, they all go, they, they not only know the idea, but they can describe it in glorious detail. <laughs> but yeah. yet here's the rub. Here's the scam. The scam is that they think this idea is impossible, a utopian fantasy. It's only for, you know, Adam and Eve, right? It's the garden of Eden. It's the most logical way to operate our planet. And that is literally designed food forests everywhere. Yeah, like what we call it is uh, guerrilla gardening, right? It's just like going out into the streets and into the neighborhoods and um, just like planting edible um, fruits and vegetables. And um, an interesting thing that I heard about uh, city planning is that um, the like um, the engineers actually deliberately put in male plants. Um, and that because the female plants are the ones that are generally producing fruit and flowering, right? And that the male plants are the ones that are offshooting uh, pollen and that there's this like weird relationship between um, like the pharmaceutical companies and creating allergy medicines and then the city planning creating or like putting in male plants to just like pump out pollen into the um, into the city and it's really interesting when you actually look back at um, say even like a hundred years ago at like the first iterations of city planning where you got to think of the men generally who were making these things were just like serial entrepreneurs, right? Like these are guys that are coming from um, just great turmoil of actually getting to America or Canada and then doing everything in their power to make as much money as they possibly can and to have as much control as they can. And so there are these just like ideas that come up that at that time, they're like, wow, this is a brilliant idea. Yeah, of course, let's only have the male plants in the cities. And so that people can't just like eat whenever they want and then they're dependent on us so that we have all the farming on the outskirts of the cities where people can't go to freely either. Right. And then we have control over the farmers and what they're growing. And then it just creates this huge amount of profit. And we've been riding that wave for like, uh, like well over a hundred years. Right. And, um, and so when I look at everything that's happening recently with like riots and protests and and all the different movements that it just seems that there's this narrative that's like the revolution is in the streets but i don't agree with that at all i think the revolution is actually back into nature 
back onto land, having your own garden, growing your own food, having your own animals. And it's going to take some time, but, you know, meeting someone like you and having this conversation is just, that's what's, um, encouraging to me that it's actually happening that it's um, happening at light speed brother yeah it's miraculous so we launched six months ago and in six months oh my little one might be coming in, in six months now we're in like i think we're in 16 or 17 countries now I, a couple of new ones just came aboard ecuador new zealand and germany wow. and thailand poland and we are helping people grow food we're designing and installing these food forests and every one of these customers that I've spoken to understands the why, right? Because our market is the renegade yogi market. It's the market of people who are aware that there is uh, uh, an issue and even who they are and all that good stuff. And then we say, okay, so now that we know that, let's turn all of our attention to, attention to what you were referring to, peaceful sedition. There's no, we have to inspire, we get to, we get to inspire these force bearers to lay down their weapons, to trade in their guns for shovels, to trade in their bullets for seeds. And literally in less, in, in like one day of the fucking war budget around the world, we could create the, inspire the Garden of Eden. With one day's budget of the war machine, we would have literally We'd have food forests in thousands of the world's biggest cities with one day's military budget. Yeah. And it, sorry, it's so, it's so baffling. Right. And what's frustrating is when, um, there are these like, major players in the world and the elite that are tied to these families that have been around for hundreds of years, right? It's becoming more and more common knowledge and not at all really a conspiracy theory that indeed that a handful of families have been just pulling the strings, especially in obviously war, right? And how clearly unnecessary it is more and more as we advance through the age that we're in, especially with instant communication and the technology that we have, is that we can now communicate to each other an obvious need that what is most important is um, the sustenance of humanity, right? And there's that whole thing about like, um, you know, Elon Musk on Twitter going like, hey, yeah, I can easily cough up $6 billion, you know, prove to me where this money goes. And that's a really interesting thing that's happening because when you look at the last like 50 years of that conversation of like um, what it would take to end world hunger, you know, I got and, it. it's crystal clear. Go ahead. Yeah. And and so how the U.N. and all these world powers and these summits and all these meetings happen year after year. And this conversation comes up and they go, oh, well, we can't do it because of this and that. And then suddenly in a whole new um, era of like the 2020s and you have this one person that's like totally shedding light on exactly how it can happen monetarily but um and i'm sure um you're gonna go right into this but knowing exactly the protocol that's needed so that you're not only feeding people you're also inspiring what it takes to continue those people to sustainably um, feed themselves right regenerative uh, food systems food systems that produce more the longer that they're alive like the amazon rainforest which was a designed food forest mm -hmm. now i did a video to elon musk after several people sent me that thing with the un guy and then his the, the back and forth right and i said elon if you're sincere i've got the idea that absolutely will radically change the world and solve all of the problems that you pretend to care about and maybe you do care about now elon if you're listening to this here's the answer it's so simple six billion dollars will put million dollar food forests in six thousand of the world's biggest cities along with the plaques and the education and the inspiring empowering content educational content 
while people are walking through the parks, they can read, oh my gosh, this food forest was in place of that grass. And here's the yield that this food forest will create over the next 10 years. Here's the amount of calories and meals and nutritional content, right? And here's the butterflies and the birds and the bees and the habitat, right? So um, Elon, if he isn't listening, then maybe it'll be Tony Robbins just talking about him today. Maybe it'll be Joe Rogan who I plan to be on a meeting with him here soon. This is going to happen for sure. It's just a matter of who's gonna be the billionaire. In fact, my partner, Marcel, is just one of the most amazing guys in the world. He, um, he saw it right away and he said, Jim, I've got you know, 500 employees around the world and uh, you know, what do you need, right? It's, it's happening so fast. Um, one miraculous thing. I want to stop for a second. Just let you, I'll, I'll let you jump in. I'm going to have a sip of water. I get so excited. <laughs> Me too, man. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you uh, bring up the Amazon in, um, you know, as a model for how we can actually, um, you know, turn this planet into something that is um, truly abundant to what we need as humans, right? Um over the last few years, I've spent uh, some time in the Amazon with my good friend uh, Samarpan, um, and I was learning from this uh, fellow named Leo everything about um, the basically like the origin of the Amazon and the um, like miracle of um, biochar, like black soil. And his goal right now is to actually um, reintroduce black soil to the Amazon where he is. And he's basically turning um, his property. Um, and he's got like, I think something like 300 hectares of Amazon forest that he's uh, protecting with him and his family. And he was showing me the whole method of how simple it is to just create this biochar and how he's growing um, his own food forest, like bananas, papayas, moringa, passion fruit, like you name it, ginger, turmeric, he's got everything, cacao, avocados, like we would just walk through and pick whatever we wanted, right? And it's just growing wild. Um, so I was, that, that got me to think about the state of just the forestry just within Canada, right? Within BC. Yeah. Cause I've, I spent quite a bit of time out in, um, uh, the Penticton area and the Okanagan over the last couple summers. And I was just seeing how dry everything is. And when I'm walking through the forest, it's like the ground is just turning to sand. And when you look at the trees, it's all just mono pine trees. Yeah. And I'm like, that's part of it, right? Lack of diversity, um, and a lack of this, like just earth technology of carbon capture and creating black soil, um, yeah. through carbon capture. So that's, that, that's, what's been on my mind of how, um, I want to participate in, you know, helping transform the earth just in the realm that I'm in. Cause I'm, I'm really yeah. not at any point to have a large scale corporation or anything, but it's like, you know, I want to get some land in a couple of years, this is what I want to do for myself. And that's really yeah. what I want to motivate people is like on an individual level, what can you do? That's beautiful. You know? and, and so my job, and I stay very much in my lane. I have, I'm self-diagnosed. Like nobody ever told me I had ADD, but I do. And I cherish the shit out of it. <laughs> it's intentional ADD. I don't know all the plant names. I don't know this. I don't know a shitload of stuff. Mm -hmm. What I know and what I want to be the best I can possibly be at is effectively inspiring and empowering people to grow food and shining a light on them and then creating the scalable structure that allows us to support those folks like yourself in a way that helps you be more successful at whatever message you want to give to the world, mm -hmm. messages of sustainability. And now we turn this shining a light on the creation of the Garden of Eden into a regenerative capitalism business model, which is the opposite of socialism and communism, which is the voluntary exchange of value instead of the forced and violent exchange of value, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we stack the functionality of all the different components and the elements into one very pretty clear column. And um, now I'll, I'll share this one story with you because, you know, launching and growing very fast and 
my favorite TV shows, just I've only had a few favorite TV shows in the last, since I've been a, an adult, tw- since I've been 20. One was The Crocodile Hunter with Steve Irwin, right? Yeah. So we get, we have the show on Del Big Trees, The High Wire. By the way, Del Big Trees, one of my favorite people in the world, fantastic human being. The High Wire is amazing. Um, so I get a call from the producer of my favorite show, and he says, Jim, We'd like to shine a light on your vision for society. You want to do a show with us? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, it's knowing how the law of attraction works. When you put it out to the universe, it's going to come in ways that will blow your fucking mind. It's way so much bigger than mind what's happening. And then two days later, I get a call from my favorite actor for about five, six, seven years of my life. This guy was my favorite actor. I get a call from the producer and the actor and less than six months in, and we've already finished a TV pilot installing an epic food forest at the actor's house and talking about how this leads to freedom. Wow, man. That's like, that's so inspiring to hear. Um, it's fun. Yeah. And, um, you know what, what I, when I hear something like that and how I like to relate it to myself is um, to to be inspired by the potential and the action of others, right? And, and to see how, um, you know, you've come to a point in your life where, you know, um, however many years it took for you to like really ruminate and to really like plan out what it was, it was going to take for you to get to the, where the you were six months ago yeah exactly and yeah. and just um you know that initial kind of like trudging through mud and just knowing that you know there's a there's this kind of like initiation there's kind of this training that's involved you're training yourself um and and just seeing how as soon as you say okay the time is to launch and the time is to go and then how you know you almost pack in like 10 years within six months, you know? And, and I think that's really the key of like understanding the acceleration that is happening. Um, not from your own volition, you know, it's not like it's, it's coming from directly your pure will. It's not like you're every day having to will it. Um, there's this sense of surrender that comes into play, right? That, you know, your will was involved in those years of leading up to it. Right. And not really knowing, yeah, and not not really knowing where it's going to go and being like, you know, but I just, I just have to trust that, um, everything's going to be taken care of. That is my favorite clue in the world is the clue of you just got to have faith, right? You have, how many people have heard that in your life? You got to have faith. You get, yeah. Oh, fuck faith. Well, it wasn't until I actually literally let go of the fear that it all started happening. Yeah. And, and I'm talking like when I was losing that money and I was holding on, right? As soon as it was to the end and I'm like, I don't have anything to lose anymore. I'm just going to freaking lose my fear. That's the last thing that I had to lose. And I lost it. And now it's just insane, right? It, it, it's, it's not mine. It's something bigger that when I shut my, when I allow my mind to just chill and I feel my hands and I get an idea, I don't have any scripts. It's just flow. And mm-hmm. man, I, I can't tell you how thankful I am and how happy in spirit I am to be here finally after so many fucking crazy. I mean, I started a great, uh, uh, a microgreens wellness wagon, we called it, right? And it was a microgreens food truck where I made microgreens smoothies. I remember sitting in that fucking thing at night when there's nobody around, not making any money and being like, wow, shit, this didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So I went through so much of that, y'all. And, and I just want to share that. I just kept going and I lost the fear. And that's the key to our world now. Fear is the control mechanism. Faith and courage are the freedom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking this all in and I, I'm seeing how, um, that I I'm kind of at that point, maybe where you were a few years ago with like the first iterations of, of what you're doing, you know, and it's just so inspiring to, uh, be able to talk to you and to see someone at the point where, um, you've hit your next level, right? Because now, um, I, I would imagine that, um, you know, there's going to be more responsibilities. There's going to be, um, 
bigger hurdles to go over, but you, um, you need to be prepared for that and you need to understand for yourself, like, okay, if I'm going to, um, provide this vision and this idea to more and more people, um, I have to hit this kind of new level of maturity within myself and this new level of resilience. Vibration. That, yeah. And it's, and it matches the resilience of, um, like even like the food forests, right? Because I, I would imagine that it, it, it's one thing to just build it, but then it's another thing to like come back to it 10 years from now and to see like, yes, like this model is working and you know, the people that I'm doing this for are serious about it too. And like, um, cause that like, when I look back a few years ago, um, to the kind of permaculture community that I was a part of, um, that was the one thing that was missing. It was like, everyone was kind of just in it for themselves and when it came to seeing the fruition of things later on down the road, you, you didn't really see anything because um, it, it it was more in the moment of like, oh, I'm here to do this one thing and that's cool. And I, I don't know if I'll care about this in two years. Right. And, right. and and I think with this whole idea of like climate change and the climate crisis is I think if we really helped direct people into the direction of like, rather than looking at the fear of losing the planet, why don't we look at the love that we can put into it by helping what it already does. Yeah. And that's grow life, yeah. you know? And, um, can so, I share some? Oh, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to share some thoughts regarding the narrative of climate change, right? Mm -hmm. Um, who is putting out that narrative? Uh, and when I look at who is putting out that narrative, it's the same people who invest heavily into poisons and control grid things. Now, here's my theory on this narrative is that this narrative was put out first in order to scare the academics and the influencers into this kind of thought process. We have to depopulate the world. If we don't depopulate the world, then we're all going to die, right? Mm -hmm. And now I understand the theory of the where you get 12 rats in, a, in a, an aquarium, you put the 13th in and they all kill each other because they realize there's not enough. I understand calling a herd of deer. I understand that this is when you get too many rats in a cage, they start eating each other, right? But that's not what's happening here. And here's why I say that's not because these same people are the ones that are producing the narrative about the food chain the, and the poisons and the mandates and the force and the violence. They're the same ones who create the narrative that we aren't able to be enlightened. Only one guy in our religion is able to be enlightened. We aren't able to experience the Garden of Eden. That's a utopian fantasy. We aren't able to. Those are all part of the control narrative that allows these people and my goal with this, by the way, if you're one of these folks, is to help you see past this bullshit. Mm -hmm. This is bad science. Because when we see past it, and by the way, let's just say, you tell oh, Jim, screw off, climate change is real. Okay, guess what? This is still the solution. Like mm -hmm. you were, this is still the solution. So let's do this either way. But I also, I really want to help people see where all the control narratives come from so that we can see that either way, the solution is always the same thing local regenerative agriculture reverses mass extinction and deforestation and cancer and diabetes and heart disease and all of the forms of tyranny around the world. And that's the key word too, right? Local. Um, local. And, and yes. the sad thing is because of um, social media and like the far reaches of how anybody can look at anyone's life from around the world and, and how addictive it is now to be on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and all the time that's being spent into viewing all these other lives around the world is it's actually taking us away from the impact that we can have locally. And, and I can't help but think like, cause I, you know, grew up as a, as a teen going into conspiracy theories and stuff like that too, that, um, that's almost designed on purpose. 
You know, if there's like if there's any way to prop up um, the government system to have control over people, yeah. it's to take them out of the influence that they have locally. And yeah. and, and that's where I think like, um, you know, that's why a few years ago when I was getting into permaculture, it was so appealing because it's like, wow, like I'm part of a team of people that are like injecting themselves locally to like yeah. want to really provide a solution um, for the city. But, um, you know, one of the visions that I had was looking at, um, Edmonton where I'm from. It's, uh, it's basically in the middle of a, of a prairie. Right. And, yeah. um, and so we have basically unlimited space all around us. And so what's wow. happening is that there's this huge push for urban sprawl and the city has grown expo- exponentially over the last like 12, 15 years outwards. Yep. Um, and when I, cause I, uh, over the last like 12 years, my brother and I have been operating a home renovation company. So I've gone all over the city in all directions and I've seen everything that's happening in the housing industry. And when I got into, uh, these like permaculture groups, I was just like, man, wouldn't it be amazing is for these, for the city and these, uh, massive home builders and, uh, uh, property development companies, knowing that they're encroaching on farmland, knowing Mm -hmm. that they're buying millions of acres from these farmers, you know, why not introduce permaculture so that these new communities that are being built, they're built and they're designed with garden spaces, you yeah. know, I was like, wouldn't that be so wonderful? So I had this like idea of trying to push towards that. But it, like, that's what got so frustrating with the permaculture community is that um, it was so heavily laden with like um, drug culture and partying and, and all these things. It wasn't really refined to yeah. to do that, you know, which is sad. But um, yeah, yeah, that's what but, I thought was the solution. Yeah. No, it totally is. You're so right. And that's happening so fast now. Like we're Mm. building an off-grid community right now called Galt's Landing. And we're building a studio on this community. It's got a private 430-acre lake and a runway. People can park their planes in their garages if they want. And we're going to be showing people from that. We're going to be demonstrating what freedom looks like, what off-grid looks like. Every lot is designed with its own complete food, water, and energy systems. And I'm talking on this 52-acre property, we're going to have probably a thousand different types of medicinal medicinal and edible landscapes over the next three, four years. We've already planted almost a half mile of syntropic agroforestry, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. And the studio is going to be us going outside and showing people how easy it is. And, you know, we're doing it from kind of a luxurious setting, but we're going to be talking about the function and the fact that you can literally start growing food right now with 20 bucks. You could have a mountain of food within five years. (laughs) Like, I mean, a mountain, if you actually scaled it out the way you could, you know, if you want some potatoes, you go to the store and you buy potatoes, you put them in the ground and a year later, 10 months later, you've got 10 X of what you put in the ground. Mm -hmm. If you just go on YouTube and look up a couple videos and just follow what they do. Like that's how freaking easy this is, right? That's the magic. And then when you want to make it simple, then study the practical design features of permaculture. Now, the principles are fantastic. Um, A lot of them take some of the principles, a lot of the permaculturalists take some of the principles and turn them into a weird religious type of thing where it's dogmatic, right? Mm -hmm. For instance, they think that fair share means socialism. (laughs) Socialism is violence, right? That is the violence is the foundation of I'm going to take with at the tip of a gun if I need to. Yeah, I'm going to take some of yours and give it to some of you, right? What if we show people that it's in their best interest? You know, people say, Jim, you know, what's your angle? I'm like, I'm selfish. That's my angle. I've got four kids who mean more to me than I mean to myself, right? That's the one thing. And, and I, I love every bit of what I'm doing. It's, it's really so freaking logical. Yeah. And um, one thing I realized as well is um, there's this whole narrative, especially people living in the city, city that like they don't know anything about gardening. Yeah. They have yeah. they're not a green thumb. They have like no relationship to their food at all. And it's just like or they live in an apartment. They don't have the space, blah, blah, blah. But if you actually think about it, 
pretty much all of our ancestors at some point were farmers. So it's in all of us. And all it takes is acting on it in like the most basic form you can. So even if that means, you know what, I'm just going to like go and get a sprouts starter and just get a tray and just grow sprouts and eat those sprouts. And then you'll see for yourself how it, the cogs start spinning. All it is is that there are these cogs that have never been used in your brain and they have cobwebs all over them. And all you need is that one turn. And that's what starts the whole motion and that whole motor going. Cause then you're going to be like, Hey, I'm going to grow some tomatoes. How hard can it be? And suddenly you have five pots of tomatoes that are growing brilliantly. And then you're like, what else can I do? And, and, and what people need to uh, understand as well, if you're living in an apartment, chances are you have a roof to your apartment and you can talk to the condo board or you can talk to your landlord and you can be like, hey, can I possibly get access to the roof if it's safe and just like grow some food up there? And you will most likely um, get the go ahead to do that because a lot sure. of people in a lot of apartments actually have access and actually have a lounge area and yeah. they'll go, yeah, go ahead. And, exactly. and, and so that's, that's like the angle that I like to take of like simplifying it for people. Yeah. And then it's that simple. Yeah. And then like, and then plugging yourself into communities, right? Because then every yeah. city is going to have like, um, like, um, organic, like lot, f- um, gardens and community gardens and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing that I'm fortunate about the city that I'm in. There are community gardens everywhere. It like, uh, over the last 20 years, it just really um, hit the city really well, awesome. and people just um, took it upon themselves. But that's so freaking amazing! Yeah. I love that. That and and then when you use the permaculture principles and you design the perennial edible landscapes, mm-hmm. then it's the next level of easy. It's I think annuals are really labor, right? But if you turn that labor into love, then it's a, then it's beautiful. But for some people, it becomes effort. And then that's why perennials are just, they're just food growing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Every tree has a function that's meant to serve what we want to design into it. Yeah. And and it also comes down to our eating habits too. Um, this um, obsession on um, like three meals a day and snacks and like, that's that's fine. Um, but I think what's what's happened with um, monocop agriculture and then the onset of all like the fast food and the grocery yeah. stores is that um, we've increased our um, intake um, by um, eliminating herbs. So um, it, what I've studied over the last few years is that when you look back to um, our ancestors of maybe like 100 to 200 years ago is that they had a diet of herbs regularly, yeah. right? If not only cooking herbs, but also like medicinal herbs. Yep. And so what, what I've seen happen is um, with the introduction of pharmaceuticals and the pushing away of herbal use medically, is that it dropped the use and even just like the intake of herbs and it increased actually the amount of food that we were eating. And I think that's also a contributor to health issues because those herbs are just loaded with uh, not only nutrients, but just chemical compounds that help support your organs and your blood and your lungs and your brain. And so what I like to tell people is look at how much you're eating and Take away the filler stuff. So all of like the overt starches and carbs and reintroduce herbs. Because what's going to happen is that maybe you'll lose a little bit of weight, but you'll actually bounce back up because those herbs are going to support your system so much better that the food that you're eating, even though you decrease the amount of food that you're eating, you'll actually get way more out of it because the herbs are going to help sustain that. I love that. Absolutely. And and when you have a system like where there's dozens of different types of species of plants growing in one area, you've got the diversity that means more micronutrients. Like I just learned the other day that Moringa is one of my favorite plants, right? The tree of life and it, you more vitamin C than it. I mean, it just, it's mind boggling what's in it. But I learned part why 
they put a taproot way down deep. And that taproot goes down and it searches for all these not um, all these elements, all these minerals that are down deep and mm -hmm. micronutrients. And then it sucks them up and then it puts it in the leaves and then the leaves fall and they create green manure all over the area. So now you're, you're bringing what's down deep and you're creating that cycle, you know, just like the transpiration of a tree where a big tree in the forest can put out like 500 gallons of water a day mm -hmm. through its leaves into the atmosphere. So the rainforest, the rain is caused by the transpiration and then it becomes a filtering process. The water goes up, it comes down, it, it, it gets filtered by the trees and it goes up again. It's a freaking magical process. Yeah, that was actually one of the most like beautiful things to see when yeah. uh, when I was in Brazil in the Amazon rainforest. We were just um, on this property that uh, the veranda overlooks like the entire opening of the jungle, and you just after it rains, you just see these like spouts of water going up into the atmosphere, and um, you know the, like the locals call it the Sky River. And that um, it actually holds like 10 to 20 times more water than the Amazon River itself. Yeah. That's just like awesome. up in the atmosphere. And, you know, that's the that's the beautiful thing about traveling, right? Yeah. Is, um, you know, though, you know, whatever impact air travel has, but the ability to to go to other climates and to go to other countries and to go to other landscapes where you're seeing things that you'll never see in the city. You know, yeah. if you just stick to your like mundane routine of the eight places that you go to and you say to yourself, you know what, like I'm just going to unplug from this for a second yeah. and I'm going to go to um, Thailand or I'm going to go to Costa Rica or I'm going to go to Brazil or even like, you know, to the West coast of, of Canada to, you know, like the kind of subtropical rainforest there to be able to um, take in what the earth actually is. And I think that's what's going to help really inspire people. And I think that's what has been inspiring people. And that's, yeah. you know, what the power of all the like muse, spiritual music festivals have been doing over the last like 20 years and bringing oh, yeah. people to these beautiful locations, you know, and plant medicines, more people are aware of and working with plant medicines. That to me was a massive transitional time in my life when I got into ayahuasca and I, mm -hmm. I, I got connected again. It was so interesting. The first experience was so mechanical and then they became more loving more connected and just absolutely um all of the answers in the world can be found in the jungle can be found in the forest can be found in nature in fact that's where all the answers are found right it's it's those systems it's not an artificial system those systems always have intended consequences mm -hmm. uh, and and that's the thing that's good to know because when we know the problem then we turn our back on the problem and turn towards what we love joy and faith and courage and love and abundance. And that's the world we're going to have when we turn 30% of the 40 million acres of lawn in the United States alone oh. into regenerative agriculture for our own good, because it's the best thing for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. Not because you try to say, hey, do this for the world or do this for those people over there. Ah, most people don't do that. But when you stack the functionality of this, it's a win on every single level. So that's why Everything starts with design. Our company is about, it's a design company. And then we have we have a cooperative business model that that's the piece that's going all over. And that's so if anybody wants to be in the business, it's the best business in the world right now. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's, that's interesting that you say um, how it comes down to you individually and what you want to do for yourself and your family. Cause I think that's more inspiring to people than like this kind of like savior complex of like, Oh, I'm so selfless in what I'm doing and that it's for everyone else. Well, that doesn't relate to the common family right. and because they're not in that same state of mind. They're not, surviving and living for others they're doing it for themselves so if they look at you and they go oh this guy is creating these food forests and he's like creating this regenerative like uh permaculture but he's doing it from ha like this place of he wants his family to be healthy and he wants um his family to be a part of this kind of like revolution that's happening but 
it's it's coming from the sincere place of this is what I want best for my family. And then it actually can inspire more people yeah. to, you know what, I can do that. And, you know, you can show them the scale at which they can operate on. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe. Scale. Yeah. You know, because not a lot of people are going to have just um, so much capital. They're going to be like, well, yeah. you know what? I can maybe invest a hundred bucks a month. You know, like, what can I do? And there you're you like, go. you know what? That's perfect. Here's what you can do. You know, a oh, hundred bucks a month. You can have just an insane garden in no time. Oh, if yeah. you're also willing to put in a little bit of time, even even if you just did one fruit tree a month for 12 months, Holy shit, that's a lot of food. You put the layers of mulch on there, the nitrogen fixers at the bottom, and a couple other things that don't cost much. And now you can get a fruit tree if you really try for 60 or 70 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the layers of mulch, you got the nitrogen fixers. Now you've got a guild of plants that will produce for your great grandkids. Like it's just crazy the ROI on every single level of return yields mm -hmm. beyond money, including money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's, um, you know, it really, um, warms my heart, um, having these conversations. And then I also know that, um, you know, the path is not without a little bit of struggle. And, and I think the struggle is necessary. And I think the, it's a part of that initiation, right? That, um, if it was so easy, then, um, you know, there wouldn't be any excitement, you know, so there's, there's gotta be this little sprinkle of, of difficulty and challenges, um, to really prove the worth of, uh, of the work, you know, yeah. contrast, and, yeah. friction, every one of those things gets us to ask new questions. What, like, wait a minute, this sucks. What's going on? That's why people that are so stubborn and I've been there too, I hit rock bottom and where's your rock bottom? My rock bottom is now, I don't feel very good. It's not like, you know, it's just like, I just don't feel very good. But it used mm -hmm. to be where I was so struggled up. I didn't know what to do. Now I just shut the hell up in a fun way. And I've turned the words around. I used to be kind of obsessed with knowing of this. Now I'm joyfully obsessed. And just by making that one little tweak in energy and wording, I raise my vibration and then I can inspire more people. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, well, I think, um, to kind of get to the, uh, to the end here, um, For um, everyone listening, um, what kind of final advice can you give, you know, um, on what it can take to kind of s just start and, and you know, like uh, to get going with um, this idea of providing sustenance through like gardening, permaculture, uh, food forest? I would say um, tonight or today um, or tomorrow, like make it within 24 hours, uh, go online and watch a Bill Molson or Jeff Lawton video or somebody else that maybe resonates more with you, right? Those guys are my, some of my favorites. Um, and then go to the store immediately and get some food, plant some seeds, right? Even if, if it's a little pot, watch them grow, let them be your teachers, put them next to your coffee pot at the beginning if you have to, put them somewhere where they're kind of in your face. And then once you start getting into the new habit of loving this thing and, and, and caring for this, this sentient being of some kind that provides so much nour nourishment, then it'll just go to the next level. And then if you, I gotta share this too, because this is so profound. If you wanna be in the business of helping people do this. If you really want to do it as a, as a lifestyle, which I think is the most fun lifestyle I can imagine, then, then check, reach out to us at foodforestabundance.com. Ask us what it means to be in this business and what kind of things you need to have. And guess what? Anybody who can follow a simple blueprint, like an Ikea style blueprint, can do this business and do it well as long as you have passion and as long as you have the desire to to serve which includes yourself by the way mm -hmm. excellent man well i had a blast talking with me you too, buddy. Um, me too 
Yeah, maybe if you want to share um, just where people can find you, if there's social yeah. media. Um, I know you mentioned the uh, website, foodforceabundance.com, uh, if there's yeah. any places like that. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. We're starting to get out there quite a bit, foodforceabundance.com. Um, and um, we have different levels, and in, in we also just share information. In mm-hmm. fact, if anybody, I might have said this, I was just on a podcast at eight, but I, I hate repeating. If anybody wants to steal any of our business model, you don't need to. It's yours. It's all yours. You can take anything you want other than our brand. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Complete open source. Yeah. Open that's source. No patents, wonderful. no NDAs, no contracts. I mean, just nothing but the voluntary exchange of value. And we provide a lot of value, which is why we think it's better to collaborate than to compete. Excellent. Well, um, you've shared much wisdom and knowledge. I super appreciate you coming on the show and um, sharing everything that you're doing. It's so wonderful to hear. And it's just such a deep place in my heart as well, because I've been in this world uh, for many years as well. So thank you for coming on to Ripe. Um, Thank you everyone for listening and watching. Have a wonderful rest of your day and night. Thank you. Enjoy. Namaste. Pura vida. <laughs>